Thanks for listening to the show. Join us online at playvolutionhq.com and learn how to support the show at explorationsearlylearning.com slash support. Grab your highlighters. Can't find them? They're probably right there in your pocket protector. It's time for that early childhood nerd podcast. Let's get nerdy. Here's Heather. Hey, welcome to another episode of That Early Childhood Nerd. I'm Heather, and I've got Tiffany with me today again. Hello. And as a favor, we have decided to allow a third. As a favor? As a favor to this woman we found in a gutter somewhere. (laughs) who I think is going to become a very big name in early childhood now that we've given her this platform. <laughs> it's Lisa Murphy. <laughs> I was never in a gutter. <laughs> you just don't remember. <laughs> oh, Just okay. teasing, just teasing. So um, this is going to be an extra nerdy episode. And um, I have a feeling it could really go on for a while. So I'm going to jump right in. Are you guys ready? Yep. I'm ready. Okay. So here's our quote. This quote is a text from Tiffany Pearsall. (laughs) We're getting deep with this quote. Can we join forces for an extra nerdy episode? I have questions about measuring success that I want to ask you both. And I want to record because why not? (laughs) I got that text. (laughs) Yeah. I sent yeah. that text. <laughs> yeah. So Tiffany, set us up. What are we talking about? What do you want to, okay. do you want to know? Uh, so I've been revisiting the New York Times article and reading some research. And I've come to this weird conclusion that you can only measure success based on um, what any given philosophy determines success is. Meaning, meaning, meaning that <laughs> that our that we can measure success only if we have a definition of success. Yes, and that definition has to yeah. align with whatever the researcher is doing. So this is where I got align it. with the research or align with the philosophy. Both they they both. they all have to Good have the question. same definition. Uh, this came from our the episode that Heather and I did about the New York Times article. Mm-hmm. and how if you're measuring success of a, a program that deems success as intrinsic motivation or learning for learning's sake or um, happiness, but you measure success by how many shapes and letters and alphabet they know, how many shapes, letters, mm-hmm. and alphabet <laughs> yeah. that they how know, then you're not actually measuring the right thing. Well, then that means it's bad. It's a poorly designed research project because you should get rid of that issue before you even start doing your research. You have to make sure that what you're researching, you can actually research. Right. But that this is where um, this is where I need your help. So okay. um, I I'm all about using research to support. I feel like by support, I mean support the philosophy that I believe in. Okay. Um, have I been using the wrong units of measurement 
because uh, I accept research that uses those methods, but still says like, oh, look at how much smarter these kids are that go through X, Y, Z, even though they're using the wrong measurement. You're, I would you're, go on. Go ahead, Lisa. Well, it's it's. Are, are you specifically talking about the New York Times article in this question, or research in general? Uh, I would say research in general. It's like I, I I personally didn't realize, I didn't have this moment of oh they're using the wrong thing to measure, what I care about. Have I been ignoring that all along, and it's not an issue? Or has that been an issue all like? Do you, am I making sense? You you a you are <laughs> a little bit, little bit. But I, I'm having two really strong bits of thought with that. One is we always want to explore all of the research, not just the research that supports our philosophy. So that's the first thing that I want to say. What I think you're discovering is that sometimes the research that gets put out to us might be using a, a flawed, flawed might be a big word, but might be, might, might be uh, say, saying the wrong thing, or mm-hmm. I'm trying to use too many words, really what, <laughs> I, what I'm getting at is that if you are defining success by how many letters a child is able to identify, but the tool that you're using to gather said data is measuring, you know, how happy they are. That's a, that's a flaw in the design of that research study though. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure if that's really on the reader. I think it's on us to ask what the tools were they were using. Yeah. But this what you're what you're painting a picture of right now to me sounds like a flawed project mm-hmm. if it, i mean unless unless i mean did you digger i mean we both i think we all read the actual study right that it was actually the research that supported the research that the article in the new york times was based on correct yes yes and are you are you taking specific issue with the design and methodology of that study or are you asking like I'm, I'm I guess I'm general. asking more of a general do people measure the successfulness of a play-based or a Waldorf or any progressive education model based on anything other than academic success is See, that, that's, that's does a that research question. exist? That's a, th- that that is an awesome question. That's a and it's a good question, and I don't have the answer to that. So I mean, I think if we dug into some of Peter Gray's work, but yeah. I mean, books versus has he done his own research? Research that I'm not sure. I can't speak to that. I don't want to pretend like I know something that I don't. I mean, I'm sure he has conducted research. I'm sure mm-hmm. he has his finger on the pulse of the research that mm-hmm. he includes in his books. Mm-hmm. But right now at the top of my head, can I think of an actual like peer reviewed true research that was done to measure something other than quote unquote academic knowledge? 
to define success in a progressive program, I would have to do some digging. Mm -hmm. My spidey sense thinks that there's something out there. I don't think we would have been able to get this far if all we were looking at was how many letter shapes and colors and numbers kids knew. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, in, in that book, um, The Great Disconnect, and now mm -hmm. I'm, the author is escaping me, Michael something. Keep but going. I great, got my phone. Yeah. yeah. The Great Disconnect, you know, what we know versus what we do in early childhood. He talks a lot about um, uh, that, that we're sort of measuring the wrong thing when we get so focused on academics. And he talks about this tool called CLASS, and it's an acronym, and I can't remember what it is, but it really focuses on emotional tone and social yes. interaction, and, and it's a much different measure. But I think... Michael Gramling. Michael Gramling. Everybody measures based on what their priority is. You know what I mean? Like, even if, we're, if we had, uh, uh, let's say, Waldorf, Waldorf, for example, if... I'm in that school and a believer of that philosophy and wanting to know whether and wanting to defend my belief, then I'm going to interpret research from that standpoint. And I'm going to specifically seek out research from that standpoint. But if there's a, a funder coming in who wants to know whether to give us, um, you know, some extra money for running our programming and their value is numbers, letters, and shapes, then they're going to be wanting research that says Waldorf teaches you letters, numbers, and shapes. Mm -hmm. It's a big question because it depends on so many variables. Well, and also brings up a really interesting conversation as to whether or not, I mean, what, what is the true validity of research then? I mean, in <laughs> yeah, the sense that right? exactly, if, I'm, yes. if I'm just setting out to, you know, add more fuel to my fire or or, or keep the momentum going in the bubble that I have created. Um, I mean, not to get off your topic, but I mean, that's one of the big reasons why I think it's important for us to review other bits of research, especially stuff that might somehow disprove what we've claimed that we believe in. Mm -hmm. You know, the, that old sacred cows make the best burgers is one of my favorite quotes <laughs> ever, you know, and how scary is it to, to finally realize or not to finally realize, but how scary it is to maybe have some evidence, quote unquote, that something you've put so much faith and belief in, like is no longer supported. And I think that's hard for us as early childhood people, because we drank the Kool-Aid on so many things mm -hmm. for so many years and to have it come to pass that something might not actually be research-based, uh -huh. whether it's been disproven or whether we're finally realizing that nobody ever proved it at all or that we've <laughs> misunderstood the research or, you know what I'm saying? It's, yeah. mm -hmm. which is why I, I personally am such a big fan <gasps> of Kane, the dog. <laughs> um, the ghosts in the house. Yes. There's nobody here, nobody outside. Um, he has feelings about research, though, Lisa. I, apparently. Very strong one. Uh, the ghost of research past has apparently walked in the door. Um, I totally forgot what I was saying. Oh, yeah, I don't know either. Disproven, um, proven. Living in your yeah. bubble. Yeah. Well, oh, and Eating the, the definition of knowing the oh, definition, yeah, yeah. you know, so if, if the article, if, if an article such as the New York Times one starts saying things in the title, like 
you know, measuring academic success, which I know that's not what it said, but I'm just making yeah. this up because I yeah. didn't have it in front of me. Then my first order of business is how quickly in the article have they defined what they're calling academic success, you know? I mean, and that's, that's a bias that I bring to the table and I always have, you know, what are the definitions of these mm -hmm. words that we're using? And then not to be overly like soundbitey, but you know, that quote about not everything that counts can be measured and not everything yeah. that can be counted. It's so very, very, very true. You know, but I, I think unfortunately we're catering to a society that continues to think that academic success is a test score and those mm -hmm. letter shapes numbers business. And I think it's on us to get better at making sure that everybody realizes that there's so many more things like what you're pointing out, <gasps> Tiffany, that are would be measures of success. <gasps> yeah. Well, and I think it's I think it's impossible to say that there's definitive research that says early childhood experiences do or don't help later school success because we can't even find consistent measure for early childhood experiences. What does that mean? Yeah. And, and they vary so much from place to place and from person to person because the individual in that classroom, who's the adult teacher, whatever we're calling them, affects so much that we could say on paper, this is what an early you know, a quality early childhood experience means, but unless that person in that room on that day is doing what we've defined as high quality, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what the research says. It, to me, it almost seems like the best way to determine whether we're having success is just to look at that day and what happened that day yeah. and be able to <laughs> articulate what happened that day in our classroom, which is a difficult thing. Mm -hmm. Okay. So this, this brings me back to my initial point, I guess, or my initial quandary. How, it, if we don't agree with how researchers are measuring success, how can we use their research to support our cause? Or disproportionate? By pointing out, well, I was just going to say, by pointing out the fact that there are 99 different definitions of success, here are 20 of them, this is showing this, but is it really showing yeah. that it's a successful program or is it just showing that kids are, you know, again, let's come back to what we're calling success. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And if in the first paragraph they're saying we're calling success, you know, that you know your letters and your shapes and your numbers, then I would point out that there's other research that says there's more than that to a successful early childhood experience. Mm -hmm. Like the Rebecca, Rebecca Marcone is like my go-to. And yeah. some, I, yeah. I, I, I really wish that I had three or four. Um, I mean, Elkins, Elkin was really good about the, the three and, and actually, as a side note, one of my projects this summer is to kind of start memorizing some of this stuff so I have more in my kind of mental on-the-spot mm -hmm. grab bag um, <laughs> in, in addition to Rebecca Marcone. Although David Elkin quotes that one, he also talks about the German, the German study, right? You guys have read this, right? How they were going down the American way and then the test scores plummeted and then they went back mm -hmm. to being a progressive. So, you know, being able to to at least, I think, show people that there's other stuff out there. So I yeah. guess maybe the answer to your question, Tiffany, is that that research does exist, perhaps even if it just exists as a counterpoint or a counter 
Does that make sense? Like yeah. to show, hey, yeah, this this particular guy did this research and he defined success by everybody knows their shapes. And then when he walked into the school, everybody knew their shapes. So this is a successful thing. Well, okay, fine. So he proved his point, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's successful. Yeah. It means that I set out to prove something or I set out to show something and I met my goal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and I, I think we just all... And I, I think even, you know, just the, the classroom teacher working with kids every day maybe is a little bit more removed from the research than oh, someone yeah. who's writing or, or, you know, in academia or whatever, um, and maybe doesn't see the value of getting into research. But I think we all, whatever our role is with young children, need to be able to have at least basic skills in analyzing research and looking at how it's done. And was this, you know, 10 kids that they studied over two weeks, or was this like the Marcone study, which was forever you know, and, repeated and, and repeated and duplicated. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so maybe, maybe there's an episode like, and, and maybe not yeah. a full episode, but maybe, you know, three or four bullet points of, of good research. You know, yeah. so we could, instead of having Where to do you start instead that of, research quest, you know, well, actually, you know, who was really good at that is in the beginning paragraphs or maybe at least the first chapter of John Medina's brain rules. He, he specifically says what he calls good research and the peer reviewed really is part of it. You know, what is the sample size? And how long did it go? And who funded it? That's a Lisa Murphy question. Oh, yeah. Follow yeah. that money. Every kid should have a laptop funded by Apple and Microsoft. You know, like, <laughs> of course they're going to say they should have a laptop. You know, who, who funds the study? And I think the other question is, who set out to prove this? Like, who had this initial question? Yeah. Yeah. Where, where did the desire to even investigate this come from? You know, and, and I, I do not claim to be an expert, but I think the four things I just barfed out is a good starting spot for anybody <laughs> who, who really has no idea where to start. Yeah. yeah. Patty on the back. Yeah. Good job, Lisa. <laughs> that, was me, that was me waiting for my biscuit because you said good job. Sorry, Go retreat. Go retreat. <laughs> You thought I was just breathing heavily in your ear. I, I did. I was all excited. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tiffany, Tiffany, where's this coming from for you, for you? Because this has been like you've you've been filling up my phone with stuff about success for like three weeks now. I just I think that um, I really love reading about educational philosophy. Number one, and mm -hmm. number two, I think that. Each philosophy has a distinct definition of success and that these definitions are ignored for the most part in the public school realm. Mm -hmm. So like when we think about the system of American education, it focuses so heavily on essentialism and the common core and you have to know these things to be deemed a success as a student, mm -hmm. that's the goal. We're going to move you through so, the system. I don't agree with that. So do philosophy. you think, right, do you think, because I know the the response from, from elementary school people is often, 
you know, we don't have a choice. This is given to us right. as measures of success. Yes. So do you think that there are workarounds for that, for people who are in that position? I mean, you kind of work in a public or in an elementary school, right? So you, oh, Lisa has an answer. I do. I do. And not to get workshop mode. Do it. And <laughs> one of the things I point out that in our current society, and like you both, I, I mean, I don't believe this, but it's, mm-hmm. it's true. Our current academic system, our current public school system defines a successful school experience by a high test score, right? Yeah. So, okay. So that's point A. Point B is that we still have roughly 35 to 40% of the schools, public schools who've eliminated recess, depending on whose website you're on, right? Okay. So there's right. point B. Point C is, and this is to your workaround point, yeah. is we have evidence that says if you want to increase test scores, kids should be outside running around for at least 15 to 20 minutes before administering said test, that they need to be given ample water breaks, that they need to be given uh-huh. ample opportunities for nutrition in order to increase those scores, yet we still have schools that have eliminated recess, right? So to me, that's right. just a back-ass word our system is right now. But to the workaround point, that's where I wanted to go with that, is that to a teacher who was familiar with this evidence and this information, then the workaround would be, okay, fine, I'm plugged into this system that says I have to do this, but I know that I'm going to, quote unquote, get a better score if we do this. So that's the way I'm able to sneak recess in, you know, mm-hmm. does that make, does that yeah. kind yep. of make sense as a work, oh, as a workaround, yeah. you know, there was a teacher I worked with out in Albuquerque and they were only allowed to go outside if what they were doing outside was linked to an academic standard. Oh and, my God. Well, but, but we can all get really skilled at linking our stuff to standards. We too. can, yeah. if, if we have the to go the internal locus right of control right or the internal yeah, yeah. vested interest in actually finding a way around it and not mm-hmm. taking the easy way out which is you know I'm just not allowed to do that anymore uh-huh. right yeah I knew a principal who read somewhere that um if kids were chewing gum while they took the test they'd get higher scores so she gave everybody gum before tests <laughs> okay if that. I didn't look at that research, but now I kind of want to go back to it and see if it really, yeah, that's that's just an aside. Sorry. I'm still stuck though. Well, I think to go back to what you said, Tiffany, about the philosophies having definitions of success and I'm not testing you or quizzing you, but could you write them down? Like, are you assuming that they all have philosophically specific definitions of success or like did you stumble upon something that was like a gem I just started thinking about it (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to I'm trying to write it down (laughs) so well I guess so then are we saying that each philosophy definitely has established a definition of success or are we just saying that each philosophy would know what success looks like for themselves if they're in that doing that work did that make sense Yes. Because um, I'm, I'm not looking at it like you are, Tiff. So I, I think that it would have to. Uh, just by the nature of being a philosophy of education. And success, I mean, defining success might be different and nebulous for each one. So success mm-hmm. for, like, social reconstructionism might be... That's the one I'm working on right now. So uh, that might be something like 
tomorrow is more peaceful than today. Mm. Right? Isn't that the ultimate right. goal? That's how you would determine? Right? That's real hard to measure. It's though. real hard to measure. Would you measure? Not if you define better. Yeah, I and mean, there's a lot of defining that needs there's to a, go yeah. on. <laughs> In measuring success for anything. Right. But, but th this is where I, I, this is this uncomfortable spot I've been stuck in that as a social reconstructionist school being held to the standards of success as we have determined so far, do you need to measure success by everyone else's terms in order to say, yes, this is valid. We want to keep doing it. Or is being successful on your own terms enough. I think if you're very clear in defining what you're, def what you're calling success, uh -huh. and then you can show that that's happening uh -huh. while still being aware of the other research that's out there, I think then you probably have done what you needed to do, like your due diligence. Okay. Here's our definition of success. Here's 25 articles that show that what we're doing is meeting this, this mm -hmm. mark. Mm -hmm. But I think the only two reasons that come to mind that I would feel like I needed to do that externally for anyone but myself mm -hmm. is marketing my program. Correct. Mm -hmm. Or seeking funding for my program. And I've done enough grant writing to know that you can bastardize just about anything <laughs> <laughs> to make it fit um, if you're a good writer. <laughs> um, but otherwise, I think it would just need to be for me. If I wasn't trying to convince a, a parent panel. That needed to pay me or a panel or a grantee, grantor, mm -hmm. then I think it's I'm the only one who has to worry about whether I'm seeing success or who, how I'm measuring success. Or maybe, maybe I'm thinking this is probably more marketing too, though, but summaries of some of it for new hires. You know, like oh, I, could sure. see, I could see snippets in a handbook or snippets during an interview process, you mm -hmm. know, so that my staff was at least, you know, had a basic working knowledge. Right. They were asked yeah. about as well. Like, you know, I don't need you to read the 45 page report, but I need you to have a handle on the fact that we didn't just make this up. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like when I do the many kinds of smart workshop and I talk to the folks about how I don't get into the research and the criteria as to how these were identified as the smarts, but here's the link in case you're that person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 So, uh, mm. in this circumstance, I'm coming from public school viewpoint cause that's where I work and just, uh, the training that you receive as a teacher in Portland is all about progressive education and all about constructivism and all about this view of education that's inquiry-based and child-centered. But then you get into the system and everybody around you feels differently. So well, maybe that, instead like of that, that being research, maybe that goes back to making sure that that all parties involved have a working knowledge of the definition of what early childhood education is and what developmentally appropriate mm -hmm. practice is. Mm -hmm. And that might start tightening up some of that disconnect yeah. between the pre years and the K one, two, at least for the early years of elementary. Yeah. So as they do transition into that system, which might be described and look so very different than what they came from, mm -hmm. at, at least we can start pushing up 
DAP yeah. instead of pushing down the inappropriate. But that's what I'm saying, though. I went to a, I, I was trained alongside fifth grade teachers. So yeah. it the the new teachers coming in have this view, and maybe they don't put it into practice because they're not really shown what they're actually being taught in practice. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess, like, how do you <clears throat> reconcile that juxtaposition? Well, there's this, um, and I know that this has come up in previous podcasts, but there's an article that I go back to a lot, and it's 20, 25 years old at this point, so I need to revisit it, but... There's an article in, I think it was published in Young Children, and I can't think of the title, but I could put it when this podcast posts, (laughs) I can put it in the comments so that people can look at it if they want to. But anyway, the article really was looking at, um, at that difference. People get really strong, developmentally appropriate practice training, and then they get into the classroom and they don't do what they've been trained as. And it's, it's, it's because without really strong mentoring, coaching, modeling, mm. people revert back to their own memories of school. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's how they teach. And, and I think that's what you're, you're probably seeing. They mm. have all that great uh, progressive training, but then they get in and they're left to their own devices, which are their own memories. Mm. Uh, you know, and Travis talks about how we have so many teachers who get into early childhood programs and just imitate how they played school as children mm-hmm. yeah. instead of instead actually of implementing best practices. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, so I, and, and you know, that then goes into the conversations we've had about teacher developmental stages. And I think that's a whole bigger conversation. <laughs> what else, Tiffany? What else? I don't you think you need to run e- defining your program as successful through everybody else's definitions of success. Yes. That was my, yeah, I don't think you have to. If, uh, and I'm repeating I, myself. I, and if, I don't think that I should have to define my program as successful to anyone. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, well, and that, it get, I think that goes back to Heather's comment as to who is this for? Is this for your yeah. own? personal growth and cognitive development and stretching and expansion and able to have these conversations? Or is this actually an, an honest question because y- y- there's a, a pro- uh, something you're facing that requires you now to put this information out there for somebody? So mm-hmm. I, would, I probably would agree with Heather 100% that if this is for yourself, my honest colleague to colleague answer <laughs> is, I think you're overthinking it and you don't need to worry so much about it. But if you're putting that information out there, then yeah. I think as long as you defined success and then showed five reports that, that back it up, that's going to be way more than most programs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There Tiff, we solved your problem. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. That's where I was. I've been feeling pressure to define success by whom? Uh, the powers that be. Oh. And maybe, maybe ask them to define what, how would they know a successful program if they walked in on it? Yeah. I'm a big fan of burden of proof on the person asking. Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. And, and I think because you have your finger on the pulse of so much research about DAP, developmentally appropriate practice, I think you could with confidence 
turn that question around very, very smoothly. Whereas somebody who doesn't like, because I, I guarantee that probably if you spent 10 minutes on it, you could come up with 15 articles that show that what's happening in your classroom is 100% spot on, right? So if I know I can do that, let's put some of that effort and responsibility and burden, quote unquote, mm -hmm. on the person mm -hmm. who thinks they're not seeing it. Right. Mm -hmm. You're wanting to know how this is a successful program. All right. So what is your definition of success? Yeah. 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 You know, we had a support, <laughs> not you, but the, the yeah. other you. Yeah. You've done the so let's stop defending it and let the person who thinks they're not seeing it have to bring something to the table other than this looks different than the teacher next door. Mm -hmm. We had a, in a program where I worked, we had a funder who had been funding the program for quite some time and then was reviewing their own, you know, internal processes or whatever. And they decided that they were going to only fund programs that could prove they were getting children ready for kindergarten but could not themselves tell us what that meant. Like we, that's oh, what we that's did. Great. We went back with, with the question because we were scrambling. We're like, Oh, now we've got to prove that we're doing this. So how can we do that? And then finally we just stopped scrambling and we were like, okay, this is your rule. How will you, um, how are you going to know? How, how yeah. will you know? What can, what do we need to show you to show you that that's happening? And they were like, well, we haven't really worked that out yet. And to my <laughs> knowledge, they still haven't. And that's been a few years. Um, so we were, then our approach was, well, then we're just going to define it and we'll give you that definition. Right. Mm -hmm. And then fill the hole that we created mm -hmm. in the project. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think that's a good, a good technique is just not turning it around in like a challenging way, but just no, like, not at all. You know, let's, let's define our terms. When you say success, what does that mean? And how do you know? And then I can talk about what it means and how I know for myself. And, uh, and I think that's a much more productive conversation than my typical response, which is to get annoyed that they would dare to ask me. Because <laughs> don't they yeah. know who you are for crying exactly. out loud? Yes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, I oh. think that this does stem from this frustration that I've interviewed all the kindergarten teachers about what kindergarten readiness means to them. And it means the same thing mm -hmm. that it means to me. But it doesn't, it doesn't mean the same thing to boss and boss's boss and parents. Oh. And yeah. So then they can go start their own school for crying out loud. Who's the <laughs> freaking expert for crying out loud? This is this has been a huge issue for me the last couple of months. Huge. Why mm -hmm. do we just because like okay, so I'm an expert in this field. You all are experts in this field. Your teachers are experts in those fields. Those parents, God love them and no disrespect, they're experts in something else. It just so <laughs> happens that we're experts in a very delicate arena, which is their children. Mm -hmm. And so I, I really, really, really get frustrated when we are always expected to have to defend why we know what we know. Nobody does that to their doctor. Nobody does that to their attorney. Mm -hmm. Nobody does that to their accountant. Nobody does that to the guy painting their house. But for some <laughs> reason, it, it always comes back to us. Yeah. And, and I think that doormat stuff needs to stop, right. you know, and that's not permission to be rude or disrespectful, not at all. But for crying out loud, if you don't trust that I'm an expert also in this field, we have an entirely different issue at right. hand to have a conversation. Well, and the other side about. of that is, because I think some of that comes from the idea that we just think culturally, um, when you have a baby, you are a parent 
And when you are a parent, you should just know everything, whether you feel like you do or not. Like parents have yeah. a real hard time admitting that they don't know everything. And so then the other side of that is we're, we're all feeding into that. Well, anyone can do, anyone can work with kids. If we're willing to take a non-expert opinion and change everything that we've been doing, then what we're saying is there's nothing of value in what I know. Mm-hmm. There's nothing of value in what I've been doing mm-hmm. before this challenge came along. And that's, that's giving away our power. <laughs> Which yeah. we did in the 90s. And we've been yes. trying very hard to get it back. Get it back and it's really, since. really, 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 really just, it's like walking uphill and getting pushed yeah. down all the time. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Now I'm all fired up. <laughs> I'm all fired up. I have a meeting with my boss in an hour. It's going to go great. <laughs> So this was really just prep for your meeting with your boss, is what you're saying. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. What's our time, Tiff? How long have we been doing this? Uh, We've been going for like 30 minutes. All right. Any last thoughts, either of you, on the topic of success and research? Well, I just thank you for asking me to sit in on this one. Oh, my God. Thank you for being on. (laughs) Yeah, holy cow. Thank you for for helping me with my thought experiment (laughs) um and as usual i've got a list here of other topics that have come up out of this topic so wonderful maybe we can do some more i want to do some marcone nerding yeah lisa can we do that will you do that with us sure okay all right well then i think that's it for this episode thanks lisa for joining us thank you yeah. Thanks, baby and dog for making appearances. <laughs> oh, and Kane. And a shout out to Kane. Thank uh-huh. you, Kane, for your input. It's valued. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening, guys. And that's the show. Now go get your nerd on. has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh. Hey, we need your support to keep the podcasts flowing. Go to explorationsearlylearning.com slash support to learn how. One of the big things you can do is shop Amazon with the link we provide. You buy your cat food, you buy your kids' books, you buy whatever it is you buy on Amazon, you pay the regular price. We get a small percentage of it. Everybody wins. A lot of people are doing it. It really supports the shows, and we really appreciate it. Give it a try. Thanks.